welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. If you're a new listener, welcome. I do recommend that listeners experience the episodes in order as they often do build on each other. Our usual reminders as we begin. I'm not an expert, just a person like you, living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsessions. And while the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor, and my intention is that you use the information shared here for discussion with your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS, but what you choose to do with that information is always your choice. And what works for one may not work for all. Some listeners may wonder why I always start off with a brief recap of the previous episode, and I thought that today I'd briefly address that. In education, it's a strategy we often use, as there's abundant research that shows that when we link our prior learning or existing knowledge to new concepts, we're actually creating links, growing synapses in our brains, which not only helps us to more easily retrieve cataloged information in our brains, but also helps us learn new information more quickly and remember it better. Since we're exercising our brains to achieve stronger growth mindsets, it makes sense to use all the tools we have to accelerate our learning and healing. So last week we finished out our foundational work on mindset, and this is something we'll revisit over time and will often be a through line of our ongoing conversations as we learn more about how our beliefs can either fuel or hinder our healing. At the flock gathering on Saturday, we discussed the three strategies shared in the previous episode to help us develop a more flexible growth mindset when we're stuck or not in a great place. And if you recall, they were, one, fear and love cannot occupy the same space. By replacing fear or worry with love as a strategy, especially given that 8% rule, Using procrastination as a worry management tool can be quite effective. The second strategy we looked at was the COVID-19 chart and the MS stepping stones and involved replacing thoughts or actions born of fear or panic with, with active learning, like researching, trying new things, identifying and managing triggers like food or news, and projecting outward, like finding new purpose or doing things for others. The third strategy we looked at was writing new pathways in our brain, which was a journaling activity, and can help us get unstuck from the eddy on the river of life when we're ruminating or not sure where to turn. And today I'm asking you the same questions we discussed as a flock on Saturday. Which of the three strategies discussed in the previous episode resonated with you the most, and which are you most interested in adding to your personal toolbox? Have you tried any of the methods yet? And if so, how'd it go? Or is there one you're planning to use with a specific obstacle soon? Feel free to share your thoughts with me at mymsflock at gmail.com if you'd like. Today's episode focuses on gratitude. 
as it has become an important player in my healing journey. I have to admit, when I first read about the power of gratitude, I was quite skeptical. But two things really solidified the power of gratitude for me. One, we'll get into in a little bit, ironically, when I share my gratitude for this episode. The second was watching the Heal documentary on Netflix a few years back. If you haven't seen that documentary yet, I highly recommend it. Without spoiling it, I'll share just one takeaway on gratitude as it relates to this episode. In the documentary, there's a study of a large group of people with extremely serious illnesses who made nothing less than miraculous recoveries. I'm talking stage four cancers and other people truly on death's door. They looked at the many strategies that people used to get well. And while lots of strategies were used by some, there were nine strategies used by all. I'll post that list on Patreon, and we'll cover them all at some point throughout the life of this podcast as they become somewhat of a healing map for me. The one in particular I'd like to mention today is increasing positive emotions. I've always been a fairly optimistic person by nature, but the Heal documentary inspired me to learn if there was more I could do in this area, since I often use strengths-based strategies in my coaching of others, and it's one of the most effective strategies there is. As it turns out, a very powerful way to increase positive emotions is through the intentional expression of gratitude. Go figure. As I mentioned previously, there were two things that solidified the importance of living a life with intentional gratitude. One was the Heal documentary, and the other is for a woman named Cami Walker, who is the focus of my gratitude offering today. Cami Walker is an author who wrote a powerful book about her MS diagnosis and healing journey called 29 Gifts. Written in 2009, it won the Books for a Better Life MS Awareness Award that year. When I first read this book, it was about a year after my diagnosis, and I was just starting to find my bearings again and trying to find new purpose following my disability retirement. I don't want to share too many spoilers about the book because I believe this should be required reading for newly diagnosed folks and frankly everyone living with MS and their families, as well as all neurologists and doctors who treat MS patients. And it's a book I have reread and will reread throughout my life. Cami was 33 when she was diagnosed just a month after her wedding. She had pretty intense symptoms right off the bat and seemed to progress in her MS quite rapidly. It was definitely a tough time for her and her new husband. However, Cami met some really amazing people along the way that helped her find a better way to live. And one of those people, an African medicine woman named Mali Criazo, instructed her to give 29 gifts in 29 days and told her that by focusing on what she gave to others, she would invite more abundance into her own life. Through reading what happened to Cami next, I finally understood the true power of gratitude. This is a powerful book, widely available, and also available on audible.com if you prefer to listen rather than read. In this book, you'll learn more about Cami and how intentionally practicing gratitude every day put her on a completely new trajectory in life, 
especially in regards to her healing with MS journey. This book really also helped me better communicate with my family the challenges I was already facing with my diagnosis and that I may face in the years to come. Somehow, I think it's easier for others to understand when the message comes from somewhere or someone else, and I was frankly still too new on my journey to even know what I needed support-wise, and even if I had, how to best articulate that. Ever the educator, I did a mini book club with my parents. We read the book, then met up to discuss it. All of us had a very positive experience reading and discussing the book, and it even brought us closer as a family. It also helped my family, too, as my dad is in the midst of his own health crisis journey, and focusing on gratitude seemed to make him happier, too. It's a beautiful thing when practicing gratitude not only helped the author, but also helped me and my family as we read and discussed her words. I hope you'll read it, too, so her gift can keep on giving to more and more people over time. So today, thank you, Cami for being so strong on your journey, for being open to learning new ways to be, for not letting MS dim your light, and for sharing so vulnerably your story with the world. May your words continue to inspire and heal others. Forever grateful for you. While expressing our gratitude to others is a nice sentiment and often makes others feel good, we rarely stop to think about what giving to others really does for us. Does giving to others truly enable us to receive? Yep. And in fact, it does a lot for our brains and mental well-being. First of all, what is gratitude? A definition of gratitude I really like is by psychologist Dr. Kumar. She says, gratitude is the practice of making space for appreciation. This could be an appreciation for the people and things in your life, the experiences you've had, or the experiences you've yet to have. But gratitude can also and should be rooted in an appreciation of the self. So, what happens when we practice and express gratitude on a regular basis? There's significant research that supports gratitude as a healing tool. And I initially planned to share several studies in great detail because they are nothing less than fascinating. But in an effort to keep this episode a reasonable length, we won't get mired down in the studies themselves much here, although I will mention a few. Just know that they're easily accessible over the interwebs, and I encourage you to research further, as it's a fascinating journey down the rabbit hole for sure. Today, we will rather focus mostly on the research results and then actionable ways for us to increase our practice of gratitude in our daily lives. That said, it would be remiss to not mention Dr. Emmons, who is quite well known in this field and inspired much of the research that exists today. In early studies, he took three groups. One journaled about negative experience or hassles in life. The second group journaled about things they were grateful for, and the third journaled about neutral life events. They looked at overall well-being for all three groups and found that those who focused on things they were grateful for scored significantly higher than the other two groups. A similar study also had three groups where one focused on counting one's blessings, the second group 
on those who identify challenges or struggles in life. And three, the neutral control group, and a group that focused on their blessings yet again scored higher. His studies further showed that people who practice regular gratitude have stronger immune systems, stronger social relationships, are more creative and more resilient when faced with adversity. Dr. Emmons says, to say we feel gratitude is not to say that everything in our lives is necessarily great. It just means we are aware of our blessings. We all have the ability and opportunity to cultivate gratitude. All it takes is a few deliberate minutes to focus on all that we have, rather than complain about all the things we don't have but think we deserve. Developing an attitude of gratitude is one of the more simple ways to improve our overall satisfaction in life. Of all the studies I researched, it was clear that the vast majority of experts agree that practicing gratitude helps us in ways which can be grouped into five categories. Benefits that are emotional, social, benefit our personality, benefit our career, and health benefits. For me, I find it easier to categorize as intrapersonal, what this does for us within us, and interpersonal, what it does for us and our relationships with others. So let's dive in. Evidence has shown that a regular attitude of gratitude can help with intrapersonal skills. Remember, intrapersonal skills is what it does for us within us. Gratitude has been shown to make us happier by improving our overall psychological health. Grateful people enjoy higher well-being, self-esteem, and happiness. And gratitude puts you at a lower risk of depression and anxiety, a big one with MS. It increases our mental strength. Grateful people have an advantage in overcoming trauma and experience enhanced resilience. Gratitude keeps depression at bay to protect us when we are weakest and reduces suicidal tendencies. Gratitude reduces a multitude of toxic emotions, ranging from envy and resentment to frustration and regret. Gratitude reduces social comparisons. Rather than becoming resentful toward people who have more money or better jobs, which is a major factor in reduced self-esteem, Grateful people are able to appreciate other people's accomplishments and don't find them threatening. Gratitude promotes a more positive outlook on life. It improves our physical health, too. Grateful people experience fewer aches and pains and report feeling healthier. Grateful people are also more likely to take care of their health and follow healthier routines in general. Practicing gratitude also helps us increase our sleep quality, which we know impacts everything with MS. It can lower our blood pressure and even encourage us to increase our frequency of exercise. Practicing gratitude has been shown to improve emotional regulation, which is a key component of managing stress. In studies, for instance, by analyzing participants' heart rates before, during, and after experiencing gratitude, and before, during, and after experiencing resentment, they learned the following. When focusing on gratitude, heart rates significantly decreased, a change associated with calmness and a more relaxed state. 
Additionally, the gratitude practice relaxed activity in the brain in various regions correlated with increased anxiety, suggesting that practicing gratitude might make it easier to not get so worried about things. This is why it's so critical when we're in a stressful situation to be able to stop our brains and refocus our energy and attention on gratitude. Revisit the mindset episodes if you're wondering how to do this. Gratitude causes the brain to produce an increase in dopamine. And dopamine is a neurotransmitter that's related to feelings of pleasure and reward-motivated behavior. It also increases serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter believed to help regulate mood and social behavior. Practicing gratitude results in stronger physiological health, participation in more healthy activities, and more willingness to seek help for health concerns, all of which makes us even more likely to experience better health overall. Some research even suggests that practicing more gratitude now might even help prevent disease later in life. Gratitude also helps with heart health and lowers the amount of inflammation in the body. They've even shown that more gratitude results in higher levels of activity in the hypothalamus, which is the part of the brain that controls major bodily functions, such as eating, sleeping, digestion, drinking, and our stress response. Gratitude helps us recognize how much we have, rather than dwelling on what we wish we had. It creates new and positive mental habits, and creates new pathways in the brain, shifting our perspective from a deficit mindset to one of more abundance. Counting our blessings makes us feel more motivated and builds a sense of hope. Did you know the human brain is hardwired to automatically focus on the negatives in life? Regular gratitude can challenge that negativity bias, or our brain's natural tendency to focus on the negative, in order to promote a more positive outlook. Gratitude encourages us to be grateful for our own accomplishments and the many skill sets we've built up over time. Whew, so many personal benefits. Let's look a little deeper now into how it can also help our relationships with others. Interpersonal, what gratitude can do for us and our relationship with others. Gratitude is deeply rooted in taking the focus off ourselves and redirecting our attention to people and the world around us. It helps us forge stronger relationships with others, and it can lead to a cycle of giving and receiving that becomes reciprocal. It enhances empathy and reduces aggression. Grateful people are more likely to behave in a pro-social manner, even when others behave less kind. And it also encourages people to like us more. Those who are more grateful have access to a wider social network, more friends, and better relationships on average. This is likely because of the effect that being grateful has on how trustworthy, social, and appreciative we seem to others. It can improve our romantic relationships and our friendships and strengthen family relationships in times of stress, as well as increase our spiritualism and make us more giving in general. Gratitude may even help us understand others better. Gray matter are cell bodies in regions of the brain where information is processed, 
And in terms of empathy, people who regularly practice gratitude are found to have more gray matter in the right temporal lobe of the brain, which is the part of the brain that processes emotions. Increased gray matter in that particular area has been associated with increases in healthy individuals with higher competence in interpreting others' intentions. That suggests that gratitude may be linked to having a better ability to more deeply understand others. The more we express feelings of gratitude, the easier it is to put other people's actions or words into perspective and to interpret how or why they feel or respond to a circumstance in a specific way. Gratitude strengthens our social relationships. When stressed, it's easy to dwell on even the slightest irritations, miscommunications, and disappointments that may arise within a relationship. And this kind of thinking and resentment can become a barrier to having the kind of relationship we want with others. Practicing gratitude can help us feel more love and care, both being sent out into the world from us and also receiving it back from others and help us feel more connected to others in general. Practicing gratitude reminds us that we're not alone. We're in this together and we all have struggles. This validation can help us strengthen our social connections. When we're empathetic, we're much less likely to be confrontational and more likely to extend grace, assume the best intentions, and operate with a solutions orientation. Enhanced empathy reduces aggression. Those who show their gratitude are less likely to seek revenge against others and are more likely to approach an interpersonal struggle with sensitivity and empathy. Practicing gratitude can even help us bounce back faster from highly stressful situations. And even thanking a new acquaintance makes them much more likely to seek a more lasting relationship with us. Practicing gratitude is also beneficial in the work environment, and I wanted to mention that for listeners that are still able to work. I also want to mention that studies have shown that practicing gratitudes can make us more effective managers, reduce colleague impatience, and improve decision-making. It can also help us find deeper meaning in our work, contribute to reduced employee turnover, improve work-related mental health, and reduce work-induced stress. There are several additional surprises in the data that I feel are worth mentioning today. Practicing gratitude can reduce materialism. Unsurprisingly, those of us whom are the most grateful also tend to be less materialistic, likely because people who appreciate what they already have are less likely to fixate on obtaining more. It's probably also not a surprise to learn that those who are grateful and less materialistic enjoy greater life satisfaction. In fact, many parenting books say the secret to raising a child who isn't materialistic is to instill a sense of gratitude in them as early as possible. Children who view their parents prioritizing being helpful and kind to others and who actively participate in family giving and gratitude practices will learn to mimic their parents' behavior. Gratitude in young people is also correlated to feeling less envy of their peers as they grow up, which often leads to a healthier sense of self-esteem. And possibly most relevant to us today, 
I wanted to mention a little about gratitude's role in recovery and healing. Beyond merely improving overall health, gratitude has also been shown to significantly aid recovery from several specific conditions and diagnoses. Whether the issue is substance abuse or a physical ailment, gratitude might be able to help those of us who are suffering to take control of our lives and get well again. So for example, practicing gratitude can help people recover from substance abuse. Researchers and addiction programs alike have noticed that gratitude can play a significant role in recovery from substance abuse. It helps by enabling the development of strengths and other personal resources that individuals can call upon in their quest for a healthier life. It also enhances recovery from coronary health events. A study out of Harvard Medical School found that acute coronary syndrome patients experienced greater improvements in their health-related quality of life and greater reductions in depression and anxiety when they approached recovery with gratitude and optimism. Gratitude can help us calm down in times of crisis. And all those feel-good chemicals we mentioned before, like dopamine, they're also good for our emotional state. When we're triggered, overwhelmed, anxious, sad, angry, or depressed, the amygdala, which is the emotional alarm in the center of the brain, gets triggered, which shuts down our executive functioning, which is where logic, reason, rationality, communication, and decision-making reside. So if we choose gratitude, that won't negate the issue, but it can help us feel less emotionally charged. In other words, gratitude helps us to calm the emotional brain because it gives us the ability to analyze and respond rather than give in to our initial reactions and instincts. Gratitude can help us cope through emotional trauma. Research shows turning to gratitude as a coping mechanism in times of mental stress and emotional trauma can help alleviate some of the pain and prevent symptoms of PTSD and depression from forming. A study found that Vietnam War veterans with higher levels of gratitude experienced lower rates of PTSD. And another study found that gratitude was a major contributor to resilience following the terrorist attacks on September 11th. Recognizing all we have to be thankful for, even during the worst times of our lives, fosters resilience. Gratitude has even been found to protect children of ill parents from anxiety and depression, acting as a buffer against the internalization of symptoms. Teenage and young children who are able to find the positives in their lives can more easily deal with difficult situations like a serious illness in the family or other family struggles. Gratitude might also teach our brains to make altruism more rewarding. Research suggests that the more grateful we are for the people, experiences, and material things in our lives, the more willing and happier we are to give to those less fortunate. In another study that used a tool we MS folks are quite familiar with, the MRI, researchers analyzed people's brain activity as they watched money being transferred into either their own account, designed to invoke feelings of gratitude, or the account of a local food bank designed to invoke feelings of altruism. 
Both feelings actually lit up the same region of the brain, the ventromedial prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that processes risk and reward, showing that the feelings of gratitude and giving are actually very closely related. So next, the researchers had people participate in gratitude journaling for three weeks and found people's brains began responding differently to feelings of gratitude and altruism. That same ventromedial prefrontal cortex started lighting up even more in response to giving than it used to before starting the gratitude journaling. Dr. Carnes, the neuroscientist behind the study, stated, could practice change how emotions that support social relationships, such as gratitude, empathy, and altruism, are typically programmed in the brain? Through practicing gratitude, could people become more generous? Practicing gratitude shifted the value of giving in the ventromedial prefrontal cortex. It changed the exchange rate in the brain. Giving to charity became more valuable than receiving money themselves. And finally, neurologically speaking, the effects of gratitude might in fact grow over time. Research from 2016 suggests that the more often you express thanks, the stronger the psychological rewards are for doing it, and they last. This particular study had 300 participants placed into three groups. The first group was asked to write a letter of gratitude to another person for three weeks. The second was asked to write about their feelings about negative experiences. And the third was not assigned a writing prompt. The results showed that individuals who wrote letters of gratitude reported significantly better mental health after their writing exercise ended. But wait, <laughs> there's more. More than two months later, the researchers used an MRI scan to analyze the study subject's brain activity while they received money from a kind stranger designed to inspire feelings of gratitude. The people who had written the gratitude letters showed a lot more activity in the medial prefrontal cortex, which is, again, that region of the brain associated with learning and decision-making, than those who hadn't done a writing exercise. And that suggests that a three-week gratitude practice was still affecting people's brains nearly three months after they'd started it. Doctors Wong and Brown, two psychologists on the research team behind the study said, this indicates that simply expressing gratitude may have lasting effects on the brain. Practicing gratitude may help train the brain to be more sensitive to the experience of gratitude down the line. So there you have it. Making space for appreciation can positively affect your life physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And those effects might just add up over time. I now believe gratitude can bring joy to life in nearly every situation. So, how can we practice gratitude? There are many simple ways to infuse gratitude into our lives. Here are some ideas to get you started but there's lots more out there. So do your research to find some that really speak to you. Send thank you cards to people you are thankful for. Everyone loves getting snail mail. 
And postcards are a great way where you can write just a short amount but make a big difference in someone else's life and your own, as we just discussed. For just a few dollars on vistaprint.com, you can create your own personalized postcards and get a set of 100. This is a great way to make a bulk mailing more affordable. So spread the love. Another idea is to get outside and take a gratitude walk. The goal of the gratitude walk is to observe the things you see around you as you walk. Take it all in. Be aware of nature, the colors of the trees, the sounds the birds make, and the smell of the plants. Notice how your feet feel when you step onto the ground. I often take my phone with me so I can photograph things that I notice along the way and am grateful for. Sometimes it's the negative space between tree branches or the bright green shoots of new growth in early spring or the perfect fluffy happy cloud drifting by. There's never a shortage of beauty and when I'm feeling low I can flip through this gratitude photo album later and I'm immediately cheered by the images, experiencing the gratitude all over again. Say thank you more. Can you thank just five people a day? Researchers have found that just saying thank you can motivate your family members or colleagues to work harder and be better. And people who hear thank you are more often likely to thank others in turn. In a similar way, researchers found that the biggest boost in happiness scores came from when participants wrote and personally delivered a letter of gratitude to a person they had never properly thanked for their kindness. The surge in happiness from this experience was larger than from any other intervention, and the benefits lasted a month. Talk about the power of gratitude. Just think, if you chose one person each month to thank, how much better life could be. Incorporate gratitude sharing into family life. Maybe it's as you sit down to a meal together or another time when you're typically together as a family. You can even choose names from a hat each week to pick someone in your family to observe and then share your gratitudes of them with the larger family. One study of couples found that individuals who took time to express gratitude for their partner not only felt more positive toward the other person, but also felt more comfortable expressing concerns about their relationship. There's also gratitude meditations. This is super powerful because you're combining two of the most powerful practices at the same time. Typically, meditation focuses on your breathing and keeping your mind clear. But in a gratitude meditation, you visually visualize all the things or people you're grateful for. Think beyond the typical. Some things that are really important we often overlook. For example, the ability to see, to touch, to breathe. This can be especially powerful for us with MS, since MS can impact those abilities, and it's important even if our vision or mobility or brain have been negatively impacted over time to continue to give thanks for the abilities that do remain. You can play how would you feel without it games. Ask others what life would be like without various items, or even ask yourself. Think how life would be different without certain people and things, even common things like phones, chairs, plates, and coffee mugs, 
play a big role in our lives, yet we rarely push pause to truly appreciate them. Make a gratitude jar. Make it a routine to add sticky notes regularly, each with something you are grateful for. Every so often, sit down with others and read through them together. Play flip the switch. When you feel like complaining about something, make a gratitude list instead. You'll be surprised how much better you feel. Make a list of ways you are thankful for each of your family members and close friends. Mail it or give it to them on their birthday or when they need an extra pick-me-up. Read books about gratitude to increase your knowledge and your menu of options to practice gratitude. A lesser-known gratitude activity that I personally haven't tried yet, but I thought was obscure enough to be very interesting, is the can of beans practice. And this is actually just as it sounds. Choose a meal where all you will have is a can of beans. You'll need a can of your preferred beans, a can opener, and a spoon. Why? We rarely take time to be grateful for the food we put into our bodies, and this exercise helps us focus on all that happens to bring food to our tables. No warming up the beans. Simply open the can, imagine you are sitting around a campfire, and enjoy. As you eat, think about all that had to happen from the growing process to the harvesting, processing, packaging, transportation, sales, everything that had to happen for you to be enjoying this simple can of beans. Doing this practice can make us better appreciate our food and help us realize that maybe we don't need as much as we think to fully satisfy us. And guess what? Added bonus, not a whole lot of time and energy spent on cooking or cleaning up. This exercise can help us become more routinized in gratitude for the nourishment we receive through food and beverages every day. Sing! There are many beautiful songs with powerful messages around gratitude. Belt them out at the top of your lungs. I don't mind. And singing has a lot of powerful health impacts on its own, too, so it's truly a win-win. You could start a gratitude journal in which you list things for which you are thankful. Often people do this first thing in the morning and or last thing at night to bookend their day in a positive way. You could also play Find the Hidden Blessing when faced with a challenging situation. In other words, use gratitude to help you shift your mindset. Every challenge brings with it some good or learning opportunity. In the face of adversity, ask yourself, what's good about this? What can I learn from this? What is this experience trying to illuminate for me? Or how can I benefit from this? Another way we can celebrate gratitude is simply by stopping complaining. When we make an effort to stop complaining, we increase our ability to focus on gratitude. Will Bowen, a Kansas City, Missouri minister, proposed a challenge for people to go 21 days without complaining, criticizing, or gossiping. Participants reported a significant increase in overall health and happiness. One of my personal favorite ways to practice gratitude that I'll share in hopes that more people will start doing it. The last few years, as I've begun to focus more on gratitude, 
I've sent out gratitude greetings and family updates at Thanksgiving, rather than during the more traditional winter holidays. I love doing this, as there are many benefits. People don't expect to receive a greeting at that time of year, so in a way, it's much more meaningful. I also remove the stress of holiday cards during a very busy time of year because it's already done. And I actually enjoy receiving holiday cards from others more since they aren't a nagging reminder that I still need to send out mine. And lastly, and most importantly to me, it embodies what Thanksgiving is truly about. Sure, the food can be nourishing, but nothing nourishes the soul like gratitude. By now, hopefully you're on your way toward building a strong mental foundation that you can build upon as we continue our collective journey toward healing and living well with MS. Several of our core beliefs thus far are that we are responsible for building our flock and care teams and for being an active participant in our own care. We must actively monitor and tend to our mind to ensure we have a healthy mindset wired for healing and make a personal commitment to ourselves to rewrite healthier pathways in our brains when needed. And if we actively seek opportunities to put more gratitude out into the world, we can accelerate our healing journey and bring a wealth of abundance to ourselves and others. Following this and every weekly podcast, I offer interactive Zoom sessions for our Patreon listeners to discuss the episode's topic with other members of the flock. I hope you'll join us. Become a patron on patreon.com msflock for the Zoom session schedule and invitation links. Membership is only $1 a month to access these important weekly flockings, and you'll also gain even more access to great content like relevant show notes and resources, invitations to additional fun events, and the opportunity to be the first to learn about and participate in the MS pilot of our health website currently in development. Join us next week where we'll begin to dive into a wide range of different therapies available for MS that you may not have heard of. Feel free to submit questions, comments, or future podcast topics or guest ideas to mymsflock at gmail.com. Until next week, be thinking about how you can put more gratitude out into the world and harness the power of gratitude on your healing journey. I look forward to chatting with the flock about this on Saturday, so flock members come prepared to share some examples of how you currently practice gratitude or would like to in the future. Today, I will leave you with a song I recorded with my dad probably about four years ago about gratitude. We used to do a lot of music together for weddings and special events, but since my MS diagnosis, I've found it much harder to sing. And while I can hear the instability and loss I was feeling in my voice in this recording, which was fairly soon after my diagnosis, the lyrics are powerful and worth a listen. I hope you enjoy it. Lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be well.
Okay.